We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And both by the design of the Lakers roster and the circumstances of this season have pushed LeBron James into being more and more of a big man this year. And he's playing the five by design now. That's been the case for like 10 games which changes his defensive rotations, what he's asked of on that end of the floor, and even how he plays offense. We've seen a lot of, you know, space floor, but also him standing at the elbow in the high post, just throwing darts to cutters and shooters and things like that. But this is a fascinating development to me that I think we should, that should alter our perception of what this team is. Mike, you always rightfully go back to the, we have LeBron and AD. And I suppose what I'm arguing is this year more than ever, what that means is changing and worth revisiting. You know, what does it mean to have LeBron and AD? And in LeBron's case, we expect kind of this eternal being, this internal basketball guy that's going to be the same LeBron that he was in 2012 or even 2018 or even 2020. And what I've seen in his evolution as a player, especially physically, I think that he saw a little bit of his own mortality last year with the high ankle sprain and the circumstances of that. And his ability to dominate by planting a foot in the ground and elevating is diminishing over time. He is getting older, but he is stronger than ever. He's smarter than ever. He understands how to move the chess pieces of the five on five. And the more you describe that type of player and you take the name LeBron James out of it and just describe his current game, Darius, I think the more and more you're starting to describe a big man. And I think that I have this kind of romantic notion that the one, perhaps the greatest player of all time, his last chapter is dominating as a big Mike. And so, you know, perhaps that's the story that I, I want to see, but we're actually starting to see that on the floor. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of the evolution of what I think is LeBron is turning into a different player, both as, as a product of circumstance and I think of his game. 
this evolution of LeBron is more a turning of the dial in the direction of the things that he's always been able to do and has mm-hmm. shown flashes of. There's great distinction, yes. And in a way, this started when he was with the Heat. The way that they decided to play in terms of upshifting every position up a slot, where Bosch had been basically like a four his entire career and then became a full-time five for them. And LeBron, even though we had talked maybe about a month ago about how they had like a Shane Battier type that that did a lot of the dirty work as a power forward, even though he was like 40 pounds lighter than LeBron. But LeBron went to the post more. He he was an interior player offensively more and way more and more of his shot attempts were coming in the paint and at the basket and not just because he's driving there from the perimeter. And that's not exactly the way that we're seeing it now, of course, but he is posting up a lot. He is sort of a more of an, an interior player and that sort of shifting of that of this is what the team needs from me now that to me is what is like the way that I would comment on that is those are the markers of a truly truly great all-time player that this is what you need I will do that thing and it goes back to that idea that we've been talking about since the championship season of that shape shifting and so Mike I know from your perspective, like LeBron's LeBron and he's always key, but I'd love for you to chime in on what Pete was asking you about earlier, which is like, what does it mean of we have LeBron James and is this the version of LeBron James that you think is going to be needed when you're imagining it in your head when you're making that statement? Well, the Lakers have LeBron James. If you just compare his numbers for the last couple of years, there's a couple of things that I think that reflect in some of this evolution. And the first is the steals and the blocks. And that I think represents some of him just being in the middle of the floor, you know, playing some essentially that backup kind of safety, calling out the signals, helping more and being off the ball and having that like chasing all of that stuff, just being lessened, which is more of a big man thing uh, on defense. So he's at 1.7 steals and 1.0 blocks. That's it's the most he's averaged in terms of steals since 2012-13 season and the most blocks he's averaged since 2010. So that right there is interesting. Now, offensively, it's a little harder for me to say that he's a big man because obviously he has the ball so much on the perimeter to initiate. But and he does go in the post a lot. He kind of just still does what he wants and what is best for the team to get a bucket. And his his scoring is up a little bit from last year, so 26.4 to 25, but he's also playing almost three more minutes per game. Uh, and his assists are down. His assists are down from 7.8 to 6.6. So that so that's just sort of the, the statistical part of it. And then eye test-wise, uh, let's just maybe just throw it back to Pete, who initiated the topic here, um, as to where specifically you're seeing that stuff on the floor. Well, I think that even uh, zeroing in more on the stats before we we go to that is if you narrow that down to really since, you know, we made the shift to him playing the minutes at the five, like his recent play over the last, I, I don't know, three, four weeks or so, this he's been great. 
He's been MVP caliber, you know, in the argument for best player in the world type of great. And what I would argue, like he's putting up almost 30 a game as a scorer, which is when you look at what this team needs, you have another playmaker, right? This is the benefit. uh, And this is where... There's been so much that is still unanswered, but so much of the sentiment has been like, why the hell would you trade for Russell Westbrook when you've got this team build, LeBron, AD, great defense, it works, why would you change that? And there's a great deal of validity in that question. But the actual one of the attempts or to answer that is we get a playmaker so that it frees up LeBron to be more of a scorer, to look for his own a little bit more. It frees up LeBron to uh, not have to create so much on the offensive end. And what that does is if you look at the LeBron at the five lineups, his his true shooting percentage is 68.3% when he's at the five spot. And the real kicker is when you look at our defensive rating by who's playing the five spot, our best defensive lineups are also the LeBron at the five groups. Now, the part of the game that that happens at, uh, and there's so many factors, D, where you know guys are in and out of the lineup that I think that getting too married to the statistics is is harmful, but it also matches my eye test, at least, again, with the caveat that this is what I thought the team was going toward. And so I'm certainly predisposed to a bias toward, look, it's it's working. The thing that I thought was going to work is is working. But I'm seeing even defensively, it there's a, a, a crispness, a ability to dominate the floor from the middle of the floor with his mind and with his strength. I was talking to somebody on on Twitter earlier and uh about like being older and playing playing ball and playing pickup games like the last thing I want to do is chase a guy in his 20s around on the perimeter, right? Come here in the post. Come here like don't run around too much. Let me put a forearm on you and maybe outsmart you. And but let's keep it slow. Let's keep it, you know, stay in in front of me. Let's keep it around the basket. I would argue in some ways that the defensive ask of LeBron, we were talking about this the other day, is lower. So I went a lot of places with that, but I think that both the stats and the eye test kind of match that stylistically, this is the best version. This is good for LeBron and the team. I definitely think it's good for the team. One of the reasons why it's good for the team is because if you were ranking a fully healthy Lakers team or a version of the Lakers team that has played most of this season. So without Ariza and without Kendrick Nunn. Okay. Where would you rank Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan in terms of like the players on the team in terms like ranking, right? And so if LeBron's number one, AD's sure. number two, Russ is number three, we could all sort of agree on that. You get into the is- middle part. Where would you rank DeAndre and Dwight out of like the 14 players or 13 players who have mostly played this season? This is so this is so core to my point D about like throughout the season is that like so DJ would be 14th and Dwight would be 11th 10th maybe yeah. depending there, there are so many guys that in sure. a lot of circumstances it would depend on the team we're playing yes, or the yes, matchup yes. or the yes. lineup they're in right but just in a general sense like your point that when you're playing when you're playing the, the worst player on the team yes and you're starting him yes and even stylistically his game doesn't fit just like my point is is that when you So it's the point I made earlier is speak to the greatness of LeBron that you can tell him on one possession, you're the point guard and on the next possession, you're the center. And there's few players in the history of the league that you can say that if that was their job description, that they could do it. Magic Johnson could do that. 
LeBron James could do that. I could imagine like maybe a player like Larry Bird could do that, right? You need a certain amount of all court game and physicality and size and all of these other attributes, IQ, defensive ability, yada, 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 yada. That speaks to LeBron's greatness. So if you take the best player on the team and you say, okay, we're going to replace two of the maybe bottom two or four players on the roster in the lineup with the best player on the court. And and <laughs> sure. by doing that, you're going to slot in more of the players who are the better players on the team, right? Then you're going to get better results. A guy like DeAndre Jordan, for example, plays most of his minutes with a LeBron James. Well, let, let me sneak a point in here too, though. So against the Spurs, who the Lakers play tonight, LeBron didn't play in either of the first two games. And Anthony Davis destroyed the Spurs. Yeah, he did. And this is the part where we're already kind of forgetting, right? Like that AD did actually start the season pretty well. He did make up for some of LeBron's absence. But he had 35 and 14 at San Antonio. Then he had 34 and 15 in the home game. And now you think, okay, well, AD's gone. So how did the Lakers replace AD? Well, there isn't really a player that can... Oh, wait. LeBron can actually sort of replace AD. That, that's in some how, aspects, yes. In some aspects, like like more so than anybody else, I guess is what Absolutely. I'm saying. Absolutely, yes. Right? Like he, so Frank Vogel actually made this point. I'm like, well, how do you, you know, how do you guys replace it? This is one of the, when AD missed a couple games uh, back in November. And Frank Vogel was like, well, LeBron can actually do almost all of those things. And I thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess he can. It, it's, that's the craziness of LeBron. Like that's the stuff that we really do to some extent take for granted while also acknowledging that he's, you know, one of the best players of all time, but it's uh, it's interesting. It is, and it changes the shape of the team in a way that I think uh, that I think leads to a, an interesting comparison uh, that uh, around the league. So let's take a break, and when we come back, I want to lob something toward you guys and see what you guys think. Lakers basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T I C K P I C K, is the original no fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. 
I would argue that LeBron's role right now is as a point guard on offense, at least in these smaller groups, especially without Dwight or DJ on the floor, is to be the point guard on offense, but the center on defense. And I think in some ways that describes Nikola Jokic's role. And when I talk about the shape of a team, think about how offense is initiated on most teams. D, most of the time, you're going to have the ball in a guard's hands. In the vast majority of teams around the league, a play starts and an action is initiated. The way you try to earn your initial advantage is through the skills and, and space creation and shot creation of a primary ball handler. That is the case with LeBron, of course, but when he's at that five spot, the players that are around him, because he's filling a lot of the big man roles as well, can be smaller, can be floor spacers, can facilitate this more open court style of play. And so I think it's one of the things that stood out to me about this group is we've used this group against Phoenix on three different occasions, and it's worked very well on all three. Now, the first two times that we went to LeBron at the five, it was kind of this last-ditch effort. It was in game six of the playoffs last season was the first time, and we're down by a ton. Yeah, it was bringing in the knuckleballer from the bullpen and being like, hey, we're going to throw some thing at you that you haven't seen. That you haven't game planned for, right? And so that will not be the case. If we if we play Phoenix again in a playoff series, they're not going to be like, oh, LeBron out at the five out of nowhere. That That's not going to happen, right? But so the first two, take it with a certain degree of grain of salt. We were down by 30 in the second game of the season, which was the second time that we did it. But we used it by design in this game, Darius, in the most recent one. And that group was like a plus 17 Uh, net rating against the Suns. And I thought it gave DeAndre Ayton a lot of problems in particular, like Ayton can't guard LeBron, nor would you expect him to, right? But anyhow, I think that inverting your offense and having it run through a playmaker at the five spot makes the defense's job especially difficult because they're not used to guarding that. There are only a couple of teams in the league that do that. I agree. I think the Jokic comp is a very interesting and apt comp. Um, LeBron is obviously a different dynamic in terms of a player. And Jokic is a different dynamic in terms yes. of, of of a player yes. from LeBron. They are both excellent in their own ways. And comparing them is stylistically is more important than getting into the weeds about the individual skill sets that they carry. So I think that's an apt comp. I think facilitating the LeBron at the five lineups is where I would take this conversation more and what types of players you actually do need around him in order to allow those lineups to flourish in the ways that you want them to flourish. And so against the Suns, you had to put the big man on LeBron because the players that they were playing next to LeBron make it harder for the big guy to guard anyone else. Now, let's go back to that Mavs game. The Mavs were able to play a big man Porzingis, they did not put that big man on LeBron. Instead, they put that big man on Kent Bazemore. And they put that big man on Avery Bradley. Or Russell Westbrook. Or Russell Westbrook. And they basically said, guess what? We're going to camp that big man near the paint. And we're going to put a regular LeBron defender on on LeBron. And let's see if y'all can beat this. And the Lakers couldn't beat that against the against the Mavs and the Mavs trounced them against the Suns, whether it's by player availability purposes or whatever. You start to slot in guys like Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza and Wayne Ellington and maybe Russell Westbrook 
But if it's a choice of saying, okay, well, DeAndre Ayton, you're going to guard Russell Westbrook or you're going to going to guard LeBron James, the Suns are probably going to say, well, why don't we put Mikael Bridges on Russell Westbrook? We'll keep Ayton on LeBron James and hopefully the strength factor evens some things out in the same way that they would put Ayton on Giannis or Ayton on whoever, right? Who is sort of a power player who is going to try to get down downhill. And there was less success there. But if you can also shut down Russell Westbrook, then you're starting to win more of those battles, right? So I'll kick it to you now, Mike. I'm very much in favor of the Lakers playing even more LeBron minutes at the five. And I'm going to have a piece up at Silver Screen and Roll, I think, before the end of the week about basically an idea that you've talked about a bunch, Pete, which is getting closer and closer to no big island. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm getting closer and closer to that as well, although I do think that Dwight Howard should play. Right. And so that's sort of the thesis around what what I'm going to write about. But. Mike, LeBron can't play the entire game at center, but that said, I think he's going to have to play more there in or, because there is no AD, and I don't think that you can play DeAndre Jordan very much at all. I actually don't think he should play, personally. And so sliding in the right lineups around him, though, I think is super important, Um And I'm wondering what you're seeing around that idea. And do you actually think there are lineups you can put around LeBron at the five that are going to be less successful and that we should skew away from? Because I think that this is a part of the conversation that we need to get into as well. Well, this is the struggle when we've been trying to piece together lineups and rotations. And and we, whether that's us on the podcast or the coaching staff in their room or just fans watching, and there haven't been that those obvious answers. And although I think that Pete's been really on top of a lot of this, right? And so a couple of the things that they've been getting crushed on, though, like the defensive glass or the other team's offensive rebounding. And, you know, that seems to be the easy, the just simple mental translation of that is, okay, we're getting murdered on the glass. Let's play some more DeAndre Jordan. But that hasn't helped. You know, DeAndre just hasn't helped. So, okay, well, that's not a solution. Well, how about Dwight Howard? You know, we haven't seen still at this point a ton of minutes with him and, you know, certain some of that optimal lineup rotation stuff. So I still think that I would use Dwight more um, and, and he would be, you know, not necessarily a guy that's playing X amount of minutes every night for sure. But he would be part of my rotation on a lot of nights. Like that's what I said the last pod. He wasn't in that first eight, but he was kind of like my situational, you know, let's let's throw Dwight in there. Mike, right now under our current circumstances, not having everyone available, is Dwight a starter right now in your eyes? Uh, man, I guess I guess it could be Dwight some nights and then other nights. Why not just go like LeBron and Ariza and Carmelo? So like I, I think that I, I don't think that there's it's obvious one way or the other. I could be convinced just depending on what the matchup is. But the other problem that in addition to the defensive glass is free throw rate for the opponent. And the Lakers rank 27th. They're giving up 22.8 free throws per game. Now, how much of that is lineups? How much of that is just vets that are grabbing instead of moving first? And how much of that can be mitigated? And I I know I've taken this a little bit aside from just LeBron and rotations, but I think all of that stuff. No, no, these are all factors. So my kind of hesitation throughout the season in just in just going completely small 
has been part of the things that have been plaguing the Lakers with the being so different from the team that that sort of had this identity that knew how to play together. And yeah. I think but but it's been shown that they don't have the personnel to do that. And that got shown pretty early. So then yeah. with the shape shifting that they're trying to do, and a lot of that I think is represented by LeBron, you know, playing at the five some or, you know, when if we don't even need to talk about AD not being healthy right now, that I'm still now trying to figure out what like what are the lineups that can rebound enough because the offense is going to be really if LeBron's at the five on offense, you're going to get good shots. Just period. But they've come some they've come some ways with the defense now. Yeah. And as they start to get some guys back in, can they still do that defensively? And, and I think that I think that they can, but we, you know, we'll have to spend some time here breaking down what those actual lineups and guys and rotations are. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll do just that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, so much of the discussion up to this point, and thank you to the, the listeners for uh, bearing with us throughout this, has been just like the basic shape of the team, the basic lineups. The like you you have four main lineups that you play throughout a half. And you've got your starting group to start it. You've got your closing group, your best five to close a half and to close a game normally. And in between, you have a couple of different versions of two lineups that are kind of, for us, will be one version will be the Russ and AD groups, the one where LeBron is out of the game. And the other version will be the LeBron five groups. And so this season has been especially fragmented in that, but there's opportunity in that D there's, we had a long stretch where Russ and AD got to play a bunch of those minutes together with LeBron out. And you're going to win fewer games when LeBron James does not play. Obviously, you're going to win fewer games when half your team is in health and safety protocols. It's just the circumstances that we've we've been dealt. But the opportunity in that is Russ and AD all of a sudden have a lot more reps together. Now, the landscape of the role players around them change quite a bit. And I think that 
resolving some of the problems that Mike talked about with rebounding and free throw rate and all that, the answers to that are within the role players that you have, that you put around them. And now we've got an opportunity to really work on these LeBron at the five groups. And so what Mike brought up, those weaknesses are now, now that we've kind of are settling on, this is the basic shape of what each lineup should look like. It becomes a matter of like, okay, what are the role players that work with this group? Because we've talked a lot about bet minimum players. There are going to be some lineups, some groupings that really work with uh, for one guy and others that really do not. And it's going to be the same player, right? The player didn't get better or worse, but the circumstances determine so much. So how do we address those problems that Mike brought up to make to really maximize these newly forming LeBron at the five groups? It's still going to come down to, to me, who are your most well-rounded role players and what are the strengths of the stars who are on the floor and the last point I would make is, like, is there enough usage for that guy? And so all of this conversation is like, when you were talking, you know, I was almost thinking about Taylor Horton Tucker, like, the entire time. I, 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 was I did just a thinking, whole exercise, D, I did a whole exercise yesterday where I was trying to put my ideal rotation together. I've done this several times. I've sent you guys a, f- a few of them. It was my favorite one that I've come up with. And THT was the hardest part of the whole, like, where does THT fit into this? Yeah, he's, he's such an interesting player. I think fans on any given night, he could be the guy that you love or the guy that you loathe. And he is a guy who I think the Lakers need to be trying to develop. I I thought um, David Fisdale had a great sort of comment on on THT. I can't remember who asked him the question. It might have been Dave McMenamin. Um, But somebody asked, asked him the question about like, hey, THT had a really bad game, basically. Like, how do y'all manage that? Like and Fisdale went went on to give a very, I thought, detailed conversation about like we're trying to develop this this young player. And so we just had a great film session and like we're pausing it and we're stopping it and we're talking about where he's doing poorly and like we're coaching him and we're coaching him hard and he's receptive and he is and he hears what we're saying and he's trying to apply that stuff to his game when he's in practice and in the next game and on and on and on right and and so but i'm having a hard time figuring out how you fit THT into some of these lineups especially if lebron is going to be a ball handler a lot now if lebron is going to be a big man i think and not handle the ball as much, but is that really what you want, right? So it's one thing to say, like, LeBron, you're going to be a big man. I think LeBron's been setting a ton of screens, but he's been doing that particularly in lineups where Rondo and Isaiah Thomas are in the game with him as well as Russell Westbrook, right? And so if you've got two other point guardy type guys, then LeBron is going to set more screens, I'm still trying to build out lineups where I'm just like, okay, well, how can we not play some of those dudes? <laughs> because those dudes shouldn't be playing as much. Well, so for me, I think that it still always comes down to 
you can't have too much of one thing that you know doesn't work next to each other. Yes. And the way to solve this, it's it's really pretty simple. So like last game, it was THT, LeBron, DeAndre, Ellington, Westbrook. To me, so DJ's out, Dwight's in. That's one. And then THT is out and Ariza's in. Then off the bench, you have some balance because now it's it, – and you don't have to play Rondo if you play THT off the bench to me. So it's THT, Mello, and um, I guess right now – Isaiah, uh, up until you get Monk back or Reeves back, obviously solves that immediately. And then the other spot, I would just play Jamario Jones. It'd be like, go out there, sprint yeah. around, get on the glass, yes, pass yes, the sir. ball, don't shoot it from the corner, cut to the rim, just do that. And, and boom, there you go. There's your nine. You've got some balance. You've got athleticism in the starting lineup to some degree or at least length, right, in the absence of it because we we can't keep looking at LeBron to do all of the stuff that he's doing. Which like controlling the game mentally, uh, scoring, mm-hmm. pass like all that stuff, and then also have him like have to box dudes out, have to box out Jared Vanderbilt for the yes. whole game. Like no, that help that him is, out. Yes, do you yes. guys and know so how much this dude's doing right now? Like you guys go do that stuff for him. I think we just touched on some elements of certain groupings that work around the LeBron at the five lineups, and certain groups that very much don't. I want to start with THT and the. One counter in doing this exercise, Mike, of trying to build out a rotation the way that a a coach would is that the worst LeBron at the five groups have been the ones where you're both small, but you'd also don't really space the floor because you have too many non-shooters on the floor at the same time, which speaks to the how you opened what you just said, right? Like of having too much or too little on the court at the same time can just throw the overall alchemy of it out of whack. And so when it's a group where it's LeBron – and Russ on the floor, THT actually doesn't fit that because all of a sudden you got two guys that you can cheat off of, right? And now all of a sudden you don't get the benefit of this spacing with LeBron at five, but you're still small. And now there are certain battles you can win. That team can be really devastating in transition. There are some elements of the game where you can be good, but I think that the basic uh, functionality of that group is it, it, it becomes compromised if those three guys are on the floor at the same time. And the tough part of putting Taylor on the bench is you're going to run into that at some point if you expect him to play 20 plus minutes, minutes, which I think the Lakers do. The way that the rotation normally works is LeBron is starting the beginning of the second quarter, but so is Russ for at least the first two or three minutes of that. And so not having that overlap is kind of where I'm at, D, on the idea of – and, and then with respect to your point about the having guards out there, if you have guards out there, LeBron can set screens, do big yeah. man stuff. I think that Kendrick Nunn is a big part of that. One more point on THT that I think Nunn falls into as well is I'm more and more developing this belief that the start of each half and then the end of each half is a certain brand of basketball, but the spaces in between are a different one. And it's I, I hate to be so dismissive of it because the middle parts have – a great deal of value, but it's like the responsible adults part of the game versus the open court, you know, looser, the the kids table versus the adults table. Right. And again, I don't mean to be so dismissive of it, but it's just a different brand of basketball. And I think THT is more suited for the bench style of basketball. Does that make sense? It does. Also too, like you talked about the, the, um, the shooting aspect when it comes to THT and Russ and then 
combining them and then with LeBron. And then if you have another big on the floor, it's just like, like, what are we actually doing? Right. But even just like, but I would actually pivot towards the other side of like, what do these guys do well? And how are you trying to optimize them? Well, you know what THT does well? He does well with the ball in his hands. That's what he does well. You know who mm-hmm. else does well with the ball in his hands? Russell Westbrook. You yeah. know who so else then, too? LeBron James. And and so at some point- But then LeBron can be the big that you're talking about, right? If you're running ball screens, if you got a ball screen option on one side of the court, it's Russell Westbrook. The other one is Taylor Horton Tucker. And LeBron is setting screens on that. You, you can build off of that. You can. My point is though, do you want to- when, As opposed to when LeBron is also a guy who you want to have the ball in his hands too. You do not want to. Tur- so it's just like, right, like right. you talked about LeBron as Jokic. There is a version of this where LeBron is actually more like Giannis. Where like, you know who else has been setting a ton of screens the last season and a half of basketball? Giannis. He decided he was going to be this hybrid version of LeBron, Giannis came up as being the next LeBron, basically, right? They were grooming him to be the next LeBron. It was, you get to handle the ball as much as you want. You get to basically be our de facto point guard, even though you're like power forward or center sized. And in the, in the second half of the regular season last season and all through the playoffs, Giannis became much more of a guy who is going to be a big man. He screened a lot more. He was screening and rolling. He was posted up. And then he and was Milwaukee downsized in the yes. greater context of Milwaukee playing smaller lineups. And yeah. then he was killing in transition like, like he always does. But he was also still probably spending about 25, 30% of his possessions as an on ball guy. Right. And and so that's where if in so now transfer that same idea to LeBron, you probably want that number to be above third 30 percent of on ball reps for a guy like LeBron James, because he is so good with the ball in his hands. He is such a great controller of offensive possessions. You don't want to defer those possessions and dole them out to lesser playmakers. You just right. don't. Just, just for the sake of making them fit into the lineup. But then again, but I agree with that. But then it becomes a question of like, okay, where does Talon fit in then? Because if he doesn't fit in with the starters and he doesn't fit with the LeBron at the five groups, at least when Russ is on the floor, it finds it's difficult to find a rotation spot for him. So he needs to play two of the three of LeBron, Russ, and THT should be on the floor at all times. I agree. And so make it work. (laughs) Like LeBron and Russ are not like LeBron's going to play 33 to 37 minutes a game. Russ is going to play 33 to 37 minutes a game. All of those minutes are not going to overlap. Even if they did, there would still be another 11 or 12 minute portion of the game where neither is on the floor at all. Right. Mm, And so you can get to you can get to like 28 minutes or so just playing THT when neither of those guys are in the game or when one of those guys is not in the game. The other thing is too, is I'm not saying eliminate all of those minutes. It's the same, but it's the same topic that we were discussing about starting another big when you've got all of these guys. It's it's like, if that's your starting group, you're guaranteeing that they're going to play together at least 12 minutes a game. That's too much yes. time, Mike. It's too much time. Well, so my thought on the whole THG thing is more about Russell Westbrook, because when you brought Russell Westbrook in, 
anytime LeBron James didn't have the basketball, that was going to be Russell Westbrook was going to need the basketball. And how do you then have THT? Because we've seen some of what he does have as a, as a guy that has the basketball, who can create, who can get to the hoops, who can get guys other shots and, and sort of the growth that's there for him. But that's why they were, I think, trying to shoehorn him in to being a three and D role player. And that's not the player that he's ever been. Right. So on this team, can him, can he do that better than somebody who, whose job that is? Well, Ariza is a three and D role player. Ariza can do that better than TSG can. So is there another slot for Taylor? Sure. He's still better than a lot of players, but it's just a, that's the clunky part of it. And that's, yeah. And, and that to me, Darius is, is something that we're not going to have an obvious solution for because it's the skill set's different. The natural spot for THT to be in the rotation is he is first guy off of the bench when either LeBron or Russ goes to the bench in the first right. quarter. And then he plays that yeah. shift uh, with Russ, Russ and AD. Like four minutes into the game when Russ goes out. That's right. So that's right. I think it's Russ that goes to the bench now around the six minute mark. That's and correct. then Russ comes back comes in. Comes in for LeBron. And he around. comes back in for LeBron. Around the three minute mark. Yeah. So there is basically a six minute mark to close the first quarter. There's six minutes there at like at the end of the first quarter where those are the THT minutes. Those are the that's a natural. That is a natural fit. That is but a you've natural got fit. up to 12. So that's where I got. That was the easy part in building out a rotation. Yes, that was the easy part was finding 12 minutes for Talon. Yes. Beyond that, you start running into some of like, oh, he's and, and it speaks to Mike's point, although my counter would be that Russell Westbrook is a significantly better shot creator yes. uh, than Taylor Horton yes, Tucker. He is. So like while Taylor has that, uh, like if you're going to choose between the two, that's why Taylor's the one getting shoehorned yeah, as opposed I, I to Russ. That's, yeah, I agree. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And so but here's my point, though, that you don't have to go away from all of those minutes of those three guys being on the court at the same time. For example, LeBron at the five. Those minutes are usually the start of the second quarter. I think you can play Russ and THT with LeBron to start that to start that second quarter. And so give THT basically a nine minute shift. That that's where I got to as well. Then the other two spots really have to have shooters. Yes. That's where that's where in this version of the team, right? I would be looking at at like Mellow, probably, and maybe Ellington or Ariza. And Ellington, but it should be two of those three that you're choosing from with this version. It, when the when the team is healthier, it could be potentially like yeah. Reeves, none. or it could be Reeves none, and none, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Or or on down the line. But this more limited version, this is that right now. Yeah, when we're healthy, I think that like two nine minute shifts for THT is kind of where I landed on that exercise as well. And different teams are going to propose different problems. Like Mike brought up that point of like help LeBron. Help LeBron on defense. One of the lineups that worked against Aiton and helped neutralize that is LeBron, Ariza, and Melo, right? Like there's a certain amount of help LeBron in that Aiton's a monster around the rim. And if LeBron is the only person responsible for winning battles around them or around the rim against Aiton, that's like while asking him to do everything else, it's just that's not going to work. And that is part of the unsustainability. You got to counter against that. But we do have options to do that. There is a version where it has Ariza and Melo, but there's also a version where it's Ariza, but Ellington instead. And you've got a smaller group or Monk, right? That's faster. That's 
part of my optimism about this group is that if you have the top guys healthy, then and and we just have some semblance of help throughout the role players. The fact that we found a portion of this season where we didn't have enough guards. Are you kidding me? We had like seven guards to start the season and like five of them are all in health and safety protocols at the same time. So we got to pick up IT. Anyway, wild season. This has been fun. This is going to be a continuing conversation throughout the year. Let's try to get this win against San Antonio tonight. They're playing well. DeJounte Murray's been great. Going to be a tough game. We'll be back tomorrow to cover this here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you Not kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Brian. Unbelievable. Over the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.